Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to episode 68 of Double Hot Beat, where we take the pulse of the beer and brewing scene. I'm James, a home brewer and beer enthusiast. And I'm Shannon, a beer intermediate. This week, we are diving into the past, where some experts argue was the beginning of the craft beer revolution, while others simply state it was the spark that lit the homebrew spirit across the United States. The spark of the flame that lights your kettles. <laughs> the spark to the kettles of the flames and everything else that's yes. good. But first, James, what is your homebrewing update for us? So the Belgian wit or Belgian white beer is in the keg. And of course, James made another pivotal mistake again where I underestimated how much sediment there was going to be in this beer. And I did not use the clear drought floating mechanism in yeah. the keg so that it would draw from the top of the beer instead of the bottom and lo and behold i had a clogged dip tube again what are you new what am i new for sure so not too happy about that but we'll see it's it's been clearing up so we'll see hopefully it'll come through the tap <laughs> hopefully hopefully that would be a shame but you know my backup plan would just try and be to keg you know take from the keg and can it i don't know directly. I, yeah i don't know I would just hate for this beer to go to waste. Have to be thrown in, into the graver, the gravery, the gravery, <laughs> to be thrown in the graveyard. You don't want this bill to be. You don't want this. I said this bill this to be. Bill? My mind's already talking happening? about legislation here. Um, what is going on, James? I don't know. It's President's Day coming up. Yes. Uh, uh, well, to, so today yeah. is President's Day. Woo! So happy President's, President's Day, Day to, to all everyone. you presidents who listen to our podcast. <laughs> Uh, Joe Biden definitely listens to this podcast, so. Oh, I'm sure he does. <laughs> it's his favorite podcast ever. Okay, so do you have anything in the works that you're excited about coming up? I know we've got a bunch of ingredients that you've always wait eagerly like a kid on Christmas when the UPS truck shows up. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, we had some health issues with our daughter this past week, so I wasn't able to brew anything this week, but everything's on the up and up, so hopefully be able to brew the spiced winter today, or if not, tomorrow. Yeah, I'm also excited about that one, because is this the same recipe you did last time, a couple yeah, of years ago? Yeah, so this is the exact same recipe, so this will be version two of the recipe. Awesome. Uh, I didn't tweak anything on this recipe, because I think it came out good last time. I think the only issue last time was that we brought it on a ski trip too soon and we left the cans outside and it froze overnight mm -hmm. and then because the cans of beer froze and then thawed out it really killed the carbonation in that beer so we will not be making that mistake twice we'll make sure it's nice and carbonated and ready to go yeah and you'll also your barrel aged is almost ready yeah the well, well actually last weekend was the two week minimum mark of that it's been um, bottle conditioning naturally carving in the bomber bottles that we have so it's technically ready but again i as i mentioned to our eagerly waiting neighbors time is the best friend of this mm -hmm. aged and stout and looking for good things so i think we'll probably open a bottle this week this week okay we'll see well i'll wait to hear how that goes <laughs> we'll see how how the round table discussion goes but i'm expecting good things okay great well, with today being President's Day, we thought we would go back in time and talk about a particular president and their impact on homebrewing. And how much impact did they really have? I don't know. Let's let's jump in, Shannon. Why not? You know, okay. Wait, let's connect some presidents to uh, homebrewing. And before I start in with the president that we're going to talk about, George Washington, America's first president, was a homebrewer himself where he made some beer himself. Yes, he did at Mount Vernon. 
at Mount Vernon. Yes, he did. But he we're also not going... made wine, I think, whiskey. Yeah. So he was really into In his it. recipe, you can still find Washington's yeah. recipes still out there today. So that's pretty cool. But we're not going to be going that far back in history to Shannon's um, <laughs> chagrin. Dismay. Or um, where, or if, it, you know, you're talking about James here with where my timelines go, that would be like yesterday or we're currently living in the 1700s. Sure. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll also have some fun facts uh, dotted out throughout this episode because I would never pass up an opportunity to share a fun fact. <laughs> so you might be asking out there, is home brewing legal in the United States? How long has it been legal for? And how did that kind of come about? Um, yeah. I know I had that kind of same you know, thought process in the back of my mind when I started homebrewing of, okay, I want to make sure this is legal. Like, am I actually allowed to do it? Or, you know, I've watched a lot of moonshiners. So I think I was, I was a little worried about the popo and uh, brewing up some things and having a cop show up at my front door. But as always, that's very dramatic in James fashion and not true. And it's actually legal. And Shannon, why, why is it legal? Well, James, it's kind of a roundabout way of why homebrewing is legal. It was proposed at one point and kind of shot down, and then it was kind of snuck into another piece of legislation to get it in there, so it wasn't questioned as much. Uh, So H.R. 1337 was the act of legislation that included homebrewing during the 95th Congress, which was in the late 70s, and it was an, an act to amend the Internal Revenue Code of 1954, which dealt with excise tax. Yeah, this bill... On transportation. Yeah, so (laughs) if you look up H.R. 1337, um, it was just brilliant how homebrewing snuck its way in here. Uh, Because if you actually read, um, in part, the 1337, it is basically about change said. It's an excise tax on modes of transportation for certain trucks, buses, tractors, and it included the production, home production of beer and wine, as well as refunds from taxes on gasoline and special fuels to aerial applications, and as well as partial rollovers of lump sum distributions. And you're like, that's wow, that's words. a lot of <laughs> words with that being a like, summary of you know that act. And Again, it's involving internal revenue code. So, like, would you associate homebrewing with internal revenue code? I wouldn't. I would never think of that. No, it almost feels like they're just like, okay, let's just throw, you know, oh, we've got transportation tax on there. Okay, now we'll just throw in kind of gasoline kind of goes with that, right? Okay, what else can we just put on here because we want to beef it up a little bit? Uh, Well, you know what people shouldn't be doing when they're (laughs) operating vehicles is drinking, but you know what they could be doing when they're not operating vehicles is making beer. So why don't we just throw that in there? <laughs> yeah. And so the, what, what president would be associated with this? Well, of course, naturally, let's think about the president who in the media was coined as a non-drinker. And let's get James, that person. stop taking my fun facts. Well, that, that I didn't know that was going to be your fun fact. Well, you shouldn't give facts at all because they could be fun. <laughs> Okay. So, all right, then why don't you continue on that then? No, you can go ahead. I'll, no, that's okay. I'll that's all I got it. on the, that he was a, the media coined this guy, this president, uh, to be a non-drinker. And so I wouldn't have thought of this president to yeah. sign this into. Well, so we're talking about Jimmy Carter, in case you were not aware of which president. Jimmy Carter. Yeah. And also, fun fact, James and I saw him in person, freshman year of college. He came and did a talk at our that's co- right. at school. And we were a mandatory attendance for class. So. Yeah. 
Unfortunately, though, he wasn't talking about homebrewing. He was talking no. about the nuclear. He was kind of talking about his Nobel Peace Prize. Yeah, that he won, so, you know, so that, he... let's not talk about that. You know, let's talk about the important thing, Shan. Homebrewing, come on. Yeah. Um. So homebrewing had been on the mind of a couple of senators and other people within the political realm for a while, and they kept trying to kind of reverse some of the things that have been put into place during Prohibition for a while and never really had that much, much success. So this was the legislation that really kind of turned the tables. And there are a couple of people who were Im- instrumental in that. And that was Senator Alan Cranston from California. And then also a homebrew pioneer who was Charlie Papazian. Yeah. And so people always coin Jimmy Carter as the hero to homebrewing and really the person who put craft beer going in the right direction. And without getting into that argument yet of do we think he should be coined uh, that title or not. Shan did mention Senator Cranston in, from California, and he was actually a, had a pivotal role in trying to get this legislation passed. And in 1976, there was a group of homebrewers out in California that were actually lobbying him pretty hard to try and get homebrewing to be legal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like any good politician, he listened to some you gotta give the people what they want. You gotta give the people what they want, and they want beer. They want home brewed beer. They want to spend thousands of their own do- dollars to make <laughs> something they could buy at the restaurant for five. Yeah, and to put why why would these homebrewers want to make it so legal? And again, during the time of the 1970s, um, homebrewing knowledge wasn't really readily available like it is today. You don't see people on YouTube like showing you DIY of how to make a kettle and how to mash in or what recipes there are. Um, so really, homebrewers themselves kind of had to piece it together. And again, uh, Shannon mentioned Charlie in 1970, um, and he really homebrewing kind of on the map in regards to he was introduced to it while he was studying at the University of Virginia um, and he thought homebrew beer just had much more flavor than the beer they were used to drinking at the time which makes sense right like Mm -hmm. craft beer at the time wasn't you know a thing or if it was it was wasn't widely it wasn't widely accepted and it wasn't widely like available so everyone was drinking the same kind of beer and again the more traditional German styles and the, the beer that first came up in America were really those kind of like bait. I, I it's probably not a good term to use, but I say base beer of you know like those yeah. lagers. Those the the flavors are just widely different in those original lager style beers or the ingredients used versus all the beers we see today. Mm-hmm. And so Charlie, when he moved to Boulder, Colorado, word had spread that he knew how to brew, had experience brewing, and was asked to teach a class at one of the local community colleges. And so he did. He decided, like, yeah, I'll teach this class, sure. And one of the fun facts about this that he recalls in a couple interviews he's done is that one of the members of the alcohol and tobacco agency, was word got out that he was going to attend one of these classes. Yeah, Yeah, the ATF was going to attend one of his classes and so just be ready for it. So like they thought that they were coming to like bust, bust him. Because yeah. it, was, it was still illegal at the time when he was doing it, doing the classes. Yeah, so he was very like all worried about getting busted for this. But in reality, it just turned out that he wanted to take the class. Yeah, the ATF is, agent was like, no, I just want to learn how to homebrew. I'm not here to like awesome. Like that's hilarious. You. So he played a big part, of course, in kind of kickstarting this kind of homebrewing, mm-hmm. like teaching others of homebrewing, what it's about. 
And for those who don't know, he's the founder of the Zygomi magazine. And the Homebrewer Association. And the AHA, the America's Homebrewers Association. So mm-hmm. fun fact for those who didn't know that. Um, again, like huge role. Like I love that magazine. Like it's the first homebrewing magazine I subscribe to. Um, and just a lot of information, getting, sharing information with others. And, you know, that's partially what our podcast is about is just sharing with the community and getting mm-hmm. different recipes and ideas. So again, thanks Charlie for that. Yeah. So he was so passionate that he lobbied the Senator in 1976 to get this legalized. And that's how it kind of ended up in the transportation bill as amendment number 3534. And the Senator proposed it and it authorized the home production of wine and beer and it basically set out the rules that you could brew wine and beer for your own purposes in your home for personal and family use. You were not allowed to sell it. You could only make a certain amount, like a volume-wise, per adult in the house. So yeah. you could only brew, if you had two adults in the house, so two or more, which would be us, uh, you could only brew 200 gallons per calendar year. Yep. But if you only had one, you could only brew 100 gallons. And when I started brewing, like I was on my like extract kits of like the five gallon extract kits. And I was all worried that I was going to hit that 200 gallon in a year. And I was like, oh my God, what if I go over that? I'm going to have to stop brewing. (laughs) Because someone will is secretly keeping track of how much beer you're brewing. It's like an automatic tally that they have in like this imaginary office. Rolling in and out of your house every day, you know, it's bound to. But at that point it wasn't kegs. It was just literally plastic buckets. in a frat house. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no. Uh, but yeah, I, did, I came nowhere close to that. I think no, I my first yeah. couple of years, it was like maybe like 15 to 20 gallons a year. Yeah, you're probably closer I'm nowadays. I'm saying if, if the schedule holds, I think I might actually hit that 200 this year. Oh, wow. So we'll see. So, so far. Uh, good got, or bad, I don't yeah, know. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, so that was, uh, that amendment was put into the legislation and then enter stage right, James Earl Carter Jr., a.k.a. Jimmy Carter. And he signed... H.R. 1337 into law on October 14th, 1978. And it went into effect the following year in February. And that really allowed for the legalization and people to pursue their passion. Yeah. And again, uh, Shannon mentioned this, that the 21st Amendment, even though that was repealed prohibition in 1933, the legislation conveniently left out the legalization of Mm -hmm. home beer making so because of that 21st Amendment, and up until this H.R. 1337 signed by Jimmy Carter, you still weren't able to friggin' homebrew. Yeah. Yeah. What the hell? Rude. Hashtag rude. <laughs> rude. How rude. And I'm like, was this was this a mistake? Was it on purpose? I mean, I definitely was on purpose. You think? I mean, if, I don't, not like malicious intent, but I think they were probably like, let's just ease back into this. Because, because, no, I, I've drank I because enough. no, well, because they were concerned about the safety of home brewing. That was one of the reasons they didn't want to legalize it in the first place. Because you know, moonshine, as you mentioned earlier, was kind of dangerous if you didn't brew it properly. Fair so point. a lot of places or a lot of people were mishandling or not brewing alcohol properly, and that was making it more toxic than it is, and that was causing issues. So I think that they. When, you know, repealed prohibition, they wanted to make sure it was in a safe way and it was kept to the big manufacturers and people who were, quote unquote, professionally doing it to try to limit some of those other issues that might come about for people who weren't properly 
doing it. I want I want to properly play in the sport, but it's not a properly sport. <laughs> playing the sport of homebrewing. I mean, it can be a sport. It I could mean, be, yeah. you got some good cardio workouts, you know, Yeah. Mm-hmm. some heavy lifting. That's true. It could be an Olympic sport someday. Yeah. <laughs> it could. And you we have know. to claim that we're from I mean, the United isn't States. Isn't cornhole now an Olympic sport or something? So yeah, I mean, I guess There's that'd be really, really interesting. Sports. It'd be like the controversy of homebrewing in the Olympics of, Ooh, are you going to go with, the United States? Are you going to go for like Germany, even though you're from Austria? A, yeah, U.S. Yeah. citizen or China or whatever. Yeah. Clearly, we watch the Olympics and the Olympics are trickling <laughs> Olympic in here. Fever. Olympic fever into homebrewing. But uh, back, yeah. But yeah, back to back the Twenty First Amendment and beer. Again, like the common question is like, well, why is it changed from state to state? Like, why do some states have different laws in regards to homebrewing beer or wine? Why isn't just all the same, like the federal level? And it's because of that 21st Amendment where because it leaves the regulation of alcohol, states can vary their laws depending on whether it's consumption just at at the residence or you can transport it to events or competitions or club meetings. So it's really based on your particular state. And the HA has kind of like taken all these questions of, you know, I've had this question too of, well, what's my state's? policies Mm -hmm. other than going on to your state you know website which again can be like super time consuming to try and find through all the legal jargon and everything else Mm -hmm. Uh, the ha has actually compiled if you put in on their website they have homebrewing statutes by state and you can look up your state and again they tell you to go to obviously your state's website for the most up-to-date and accurate information but you're able to quickly put in your state and just have a general idea of like what's the law and mm-hmm. what's it say. So it's pretty cool to see when we looked at Massachusetts, um, it says like status, like, yeah, like you can, you can do <laughs> Two it. thumbs up for homebrewing. Yeah. It's wicked cool. So that was cool to see. Fun fact, Mississippi and Alabama were last the, to the table. Yeah, they're just got to get on Come board on, Mississippi here. and Alabama. What's got Yeah, it? they didn't put it into effect until 2013. So all you homebrewers that are listening from Mississippi and Alabama, direct message us and tell us what ma- makes you mad about that if you were homebrewing around that time. Yeah, or if you had like clandestine homebrewing setups before 2013. Well, I'm sure we wouldn't get anyone <laughs> to be like, yeah, I was, I was homebrewing back in, you know, Well, it doesn't matter now, it's legal, so. True. It's past 10 years, so. Statue of limitations. Yeah. yeah, so what impact did this really have on the craft beer industry? Well, obviously, the popularity grew because... Now it's legal and therefore it gets more attention. And it's estimated approximately 90% of pioneer craft brewers started making home home brews after this. Yeah, so this gets into, do you credit Jimmy Carter solely for the boom in craft beer through association of signing this home brewing bill? Um, I mean, I guess by association, yes. But I wonder, I'm just like, I mean, I know probably the basic knowledge about Jimmy Carter so I'm not like a his, like a Historian. Scho- a scholar of him. Oh, Shannon's a scholar of Jimmy. I'm not a Jimmy Carter scholar, but I'm just wondering if he even realized it was in there. Like if he just was blindly like, sure, farming, transportation. I love. I'm from, a, I'm from a peanut farm. I'm just gonna sign this thing because I love peanuts and farming. Like I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Like I'm just wondering if he really knew it was in there. So that's my take. I said all he did was like take a pen and sign this document. I credit more the senator from California. Oh, yeah, definitely. And Charlie and also other home brewers such as Jack McAuliffe, who founded America's first modern microbrewery in 1976 of New Albion Brewing in Sonoma, California. He really 
put, you know, not only a pale ale style on the map, but also going from home brewing to starting micro breweries. So I credit Jack, I credit Charlie and the senator from California for actually listening yeah. to his constitu- constituents. 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 <laughs> I hate that word. I know. Uh, uh, yeah, no, I, if they didn't really push for it, it, it probably would have happened at some point, but not at this and in the 70s. And again, I don't, and Jimmy Carter wasn't going around like lo- lobbying to Congress saying like, hey, like there's this homebrewing bill. Can you get it passed? And proof of that is also that a year prior to signing this, that it failed on its yeah. own. So they kind of snuck it in there. So to they be like, snuck it in like a little. Just like, ignore that other piece. Just sign it because of the sex size tax. And it's really funny situation. if you read it too, like literally like homebrewing beer and wine is just like kind of thrown in there. Like it's like a one-off it's sentence. Like you have it. to look for it. I was like, all right, this is a transportation. Why is this? Yeah, so that's why I feel like for- he didn't even know it was there and he just signed it. Cause he was like, this all sounds great. And especially if you're signing, yeah. like you have to vote on all these different amendments and He's things on a regular whatever. basis. It's like, what's the name of this internal revenue bill? Sure. Sweet. I'll sign it. And he's like, I don't, I only drink wine when I have to toast someone. So, but if other people want to drink, I don't care. And now he's just like, people are like, yeah, you, you reason for homebrewing. And he's like, I'll take the credit. Thank you. Thank yes. you, everybody. I'll take my bow. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess, I, like but I said, sure, he gets some kind of credit. It would have happened eventually, I feel like, but him actually doing the signing is what allowed it to have the boom. So if we're talking about technically. So you think the argument could be made for because he signed this home brewing yeah. legislation, craft breweries were able to get their start because, mo- as you mentioned, most craft breweries were opened by people yeah. who were home brewing first. And so by letting them home brew, led through association, them to open brew pubs and yeah. craft breweries. I th- yeah, I think, I think someone was going to do it and it just happened to be him. It could have been the next president. Who knows? But. So he's just kind of like, cool, I get this credit. All I did was sign with my special pen and wear my size seven hat. And some <laughs> people have even called him the king of home to home brewing. And I'm like, that's a little bit I don't far. think I he think would know how, I think it's taking it a little far. I don't think he would know how to even start brewing a beer if you asked him. He'd probably make like a peanut butter. Also, the butter. man is like 96 years old, so. Yeah, he'd make like he's a peanut butter living. beer, which could be good. Mm-hmm. Using from fresh peanuts. Fresh peanuts from his family's peanut farm. <laughs> <laughs> you have to keep watching how you said peanuts because our, my grandmother says peanuts in a very um, a raunchy way. Raunchy way. Yeah. So we have to make sure we enunciate our our peanuts. Peanuts. <laughs> yes. And one of these people who've made that credited Jimmy Carter, Eric Kane. He made an article, and he credits Jimmy Carter with deregulating the beer industry. Is how he terms it, and, mm. and I and I don't got know if a I lot go of pushback far. from that. But his argument was that without this de- deregulation of home brewing, entry into the beer market would be impossible, if not difficult, if not impossible, for non-corporate brewers. And then he went into an argument that brew pubs wouldn't have taken it off because there was an explosion of brew pubs in Wisconsin, California, Oregon in 1982 and 1983, and as well as. By allowing homebrewers to gain the skills and information needed to brew beer through this legislation, making it legal, then the more knowledge was gained, more skills were gained, and then they were able to put that into practice. Again, we see that today, right? Like a lot of craft breweries, people were homebrewing first. That's how they got mm-hmm. their start. And then they, you know, took it to the, you know, commercial level. Yeah. So, but I, I agree with you. I wouldn't go as far as saying that, you know, he deregulated the beer industry. I think that's a little... 
I think it just it open it removes some barriers for entry, but I don't think it deregulated the whole industry. It left the door cracked open instead of being or someone to kick shut. it in, kick it in, kick in that door, like, Jimmy Carter. I'm here with my logger. <laughs> All right, yes. Is this is this your Jimmy Carter impression? Let's no, hear it. I was not supposed to be Jimmy Carter, but oh, I thought it was. <laughs> no, that was just some guy kicking the door in. <laughs> we here have no. I'm I'm doing like a John F. Kennedy here. I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> we have some homebrewers here. But I, yeah, I think like I said, I, I just think someone else. It would have been another president if it wasn't him. So he just it just happened coincidence to be on his on his on his desk. shoulders. Yeah. On his tiny shoulders. <laughs> well, there's a, well, for President's Day today, you know, you have a fun fact now to share with your, your family and friends that, you know, oh, who signed the, the bill to, uh, for homebrewing to be legalized in the United States? Uh, Jimmy Carter. You can also tell them that he was the first president born in a hospital. Really? Yes. <laughs> that's kind of, that's kind of scary. Yeah. He was the first, well, I mean, so he was, what, he's 96, so that means he was born in 1924. Five twenty six. Don't ask me to do the math. So, don't ask me. Well, if he's going to be a hundred and four years from now, it's two thousand twenty two. So two plus four is six, which is twenty six. Oh my God, Shannon's telling me how to do math, guys, on the podcast. I think he. I think he's ninety six. Oh my God. I know he's he's in his nineties. He's the oldest previous living president. He also, like me, likes his sirloin steak medium rare. Have you ever cooking a meal for President Jimmy Carter? Now Shannon's going into fun facts about <laughs> herself. What is this? Shannon's off her rockers today. He um, <laughs> shot his sister in a butt with a BB gun. Oh. So much like Dick Cheney, he has shot someone in the butt. <laughs> <laughs> he shares that with Dick Cheney of yes. shooting somebody in the butt. Yep. And when he was five years old, he stole a penny from the collection plate at church and then had to return it because his dad got mad. Whew. So. I mean, now I get why he signed that homebrewing like, bill. He's like the honest Abe of the... 20th century <laughs> 21st century oh man and if you're looking for a gift for him james he collects bottle caps or bottles bottles and arrowheads interesting yeah so or so, books he also likes books so i wonder if some homebrewers have sent him some bottles after. yeah you could, maybe although now he'd have to get into cans because there's a lot more cans out there than mm. bottles but those are my jimmy carter facts in case you ever need to and he also won the nobel peace prize as we mentioned but we don't really want to focus that on that. Yeah, no, we just want the beer. <laughs> uh, so speaking of beer, before we close out today, I thought it'd be fun to talk about some of the president's favorite drinks. Woohoo! So over time, the, all the presidents, uh, a little disappointing to see that most of them prefer whiskey or cocktail or for beer, but... They need something strong because, yeah, you know, they they're dealing with a lot of shit. We need something. Oh, <gasps> Shoot. Tiny ears. Explicit. This is an X-rated <laughs> episode. Yes. No, it's not x-rated you still don't know what x-rated we get means. so many more listeners if this was an x-rated president's day x-rated. episode on jimmy carter oh my god it's rated mature x-rated <laughs> you don't understand what that means still you need to look it up but please don't no, uh, you're gonna look it up don't because i'm not using this our yeah. algorithms anywho so going back to james what you mentioned way at the beginning of this episode george washington preferred dark porters it's probably why his teeth were stained so much that's why you needed wooden teeth. They were not wooden. They were I made of ivory. I, I always use this fact because Shannon just get, like, uh, it's like the co- it's most really, common. You don't even want to know what thing. they're made of because it's also gross. And recently, yeah, no, it's. You can Google it. They're, yeah, it's, they're not wooden, but they are made of ivory and other, maybe other people's teeth. So Ugh. yeah, people who are people, but. People who, who are people. Who people didn't think were people. That's a lot of people thrown yeah. in there, Shannon. 
Yeah. Shen Shen's like ripping it today. Um, Bill Clinton likes snake bite, which is equal parts cider and lager. He's much like him. A snake bite. Oh my god. <laughs> now we're getting into politics here. This is getting salty, guys. Uh, I was gonna say I'm not gonna mention anything. We we just watched that impeachment show recently, so you know, just <laughs> one sided color. And then lastly, our most well, one of our most recent presidents, President Barack Obama, likes any old beer. He, in fact, was the first president to brew beer at the White House. Interesting. Yes. Uh, they brewed beer with honey from the south lawn of the White House, where bees are kept. And they brewed a honey brown ale, a honey porter, and a honey blonde. And you can actually get on the ObamaWhiteHouse.archives.gov if you'd like to brew a presidential beer. If you would like James to brew that, uh, direct message us yeah. that you want us to brew it in Maybe I'll brew it. And all of the people in the kitchen at the White House were surprised because none of them had brewed beer before. I mean, and, I can see And then that. Obama was like, hey, guys, I bought you this homebrew kit. Can you <laughs> hey, I got like this homebrew kit, with his I own no money. supplies. Yeah, he went with his own money and bought a homebrew kit and was like, let's brew this beer. I wonder if it was good. Was it, did they it said play? it came out decent. And they've made couple, they made a couple of different variations. Hmm. And then also, obviously, different styles with the honey. So I thought that was very interesting. If you're interested... You can go to obamawhitehouse.archives.gov and get those recipes. And again, direct message us on our Instagram page at Double Hot Beat Podcast if you would yeah. be interested in James brewing that recipe. Otherwise, I'm not going to bother. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, okay. I'm, good. I'm good. Okay. You have a lot of beers to be brewing. I know, right? So. That, that would put me over the... Imagine that. I maybe brew, next maybe Maybe day. if I brew 200 gallons of homebrew, the 201 gallon would be the Obama... The Obama uh, beer. Okay. I feel like it should be the Jimmy Carter beer, but. He didn't have a beer. Yeah, but you're saying you're going over the limit that he set with that legislation. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, James, you're so stupid. God. Those are all of my presidential facts for this President's Day. Yeah, so we hope you, if you get the day off, you enjoy it and brew Eat up a some beer. some cherry pie, some Lincoln log. Some beer, some homebrewed some, beer. Yeah. You can investigate what abraham lincoln was drinking when he was alive maybe <laughs> i don't know <laughs> a lot of different options yeah or try and make a presidential cocktail as shannon mentioned exactly well thank you all for listening to this week's episode of double hot beat we are always looking for homebrewers to share their stories so feel free to send us a direct message on instagram and as always your independent podcast we enjoy hearing from you the listeners so please direct message us on our Instagram and our Facebook pages at Double Hot Beat Podcast. And if you want to come on our show, if you're a home brewer and looking to share your experience with us, feel free to do so. Yeah. Also, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. That really helps us get new listeners, and we appreciate it very much. This has been Double Hot Beat. Catch you on the brew side. Happy President's Day. Brew a beer, brew a beer, brew a beer. Homebrew's legal. Yeah. <laughs> Ask not what you can do. <laughs> Ask not what you can do for your beer, but what your, your beer, beer can, can do, do for you. you. Now we're, that was just like. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. <laughs>